Welcome, welcome to the Brett Boone Podcast. Explore the mind of MLB All-Star, Silver Slugger, and Gold Glove winner, Brett Boone, as he sits down with his friends from the world of professional sports. Now, now up to, to bat, Brett Boone. Welcome to the Boone Podcast. I'm your host, Brett Boone, and today on the program, I'm joined by the son of the great Roberto Clemente in his own right, uh, broadcast, longtime broadcaster for the New York Yankees. Uh, ESPN, ESPN Deportes. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome. Berto Clemente Jr. Berto, thanks for coming on the show. Booney, great uh, to be here with you, my man. Uh, always great to see you. Um, you know, I'm, I'm really happy to be here. Very cool, very cool. We got to catch up a little bit at the All-Star Game this year in Seattle. Yes. Uh, and we finally got you on the show. Um, yes, I know. We're getting closer and closer to the holidays. Um and, you know, it seems like every year, I, and I was born in 1969, the, the famous tragedy that happened with your father's in 1972. I'm three years old. I don't remember that. You're a little bit older than me. I think you were seven. Uh, but I know it's going to come up soon on the ticker. It was, it was uh, New Year's Eve, 1972. And we're going to hear something. It, it's, You'll see it on Twitter. You'll see it here. You'll see it there. But that name, the Clemente name, it's it's lived on. And, uh, you know, you're coming up on an anniversary, not a real uh, bright anniversary, but nevertheless, an anniversary. Um, We have something in common. Both young kids growing up with pops that were in the big leagues. Um, I got to do it my whole life. My dad played a long time. I was still in the still in the minor leagues. Uh, when dad retired, where I, or I just signed to go to the minor leagues when my dad retired. Um, what do you remember? And I know it was probably brief. You know, my kids only got to be with me. You know, my career ended when they were seven or eight years old. But they remember a little bit. I'm bringing them to the ballpark. What do you remember about the early days being around baseball and being at being at the yard? You know, I, I have to go back to my early memories of getting to Forbes Field, uh, getting there late. My mother was always late. We always got there third inning. We were never there for the start of the ball game. Uh, she was always late. So I remember I was walking down the aisle and the whole section standing. I never understood that. I never understood why everyone stood when we walked through the aisle, right? And I remember watching dad on the field and watching him kind of float it he would look completely different than everyone else i mean it was not because it was dad because i i was trying to emulate everyone else but dad dad was dad you know how it is right 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 uh, you try to be someone else you know his teammate but there was something about him uh he had an aura about him that was very very unique uh, but I remember getting there. I remember getting to the clubhouse in Three River Stadium after the ball games. Um, you know, hanging out with the kids and um, getting home. Uh, he would invite all the ball the ball players, the, the Latino, the Latino ball players, bring them back to our our place for them to eat after the games. So mom would have to come back to the house and start cooking at you know whatever time the game was was over. And uh, they would come over and, and eat and, and start telling stories. And you know how when the guys get together, it's, uh, you know, a lot of stories and, and uh, a lot of laughter. So it, w- it was pretty cool. 
you know, t- today, when you when you come across a kid, it could be a young adult. They weren't even born when Roberto Clemente was playing baseball, why he was alive here. But the name has so much power. When they, when they ask you, what, how do you explain what he was like to those fans that maybe they know the name, but they have no idea about the legacy? If you were to sum it up, how do you sum it up? Um, after 58 years uh, to be here um, and understanding the meaning of what he did while he was here, only 38 years of his existence and we're talking about him 50 years later um the only way i can sum it up booney is he was an angel that happened to play baseball yeah it it, because it's amazing it still touches me i have no idea i've never met roberto clemente i've never seen him play i've seen the clips but there is something special about him and there's a lot of great players that come along a lot of great players but all of them don't last <clears throat> test the time. And, and like you said, it takes a real special man to, 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 for his name to live on like it has uh, today. For me, my grandpa, okay, I was really close with my, with, with my gramps. And he died in 2004. And uh, you know what I love hearing? I loved hearing. And, and by the way, now there's not too many of his colleagues and his teammates around anymore. But I used to love going to an old timers game. And, you know, I knew Gramps as Gramps, as, as you know, kind of ordered me around. And he was right. my influence when it came to baseball. And, and we had, as close as I am with my father, I was just as close with, with Grandpa. And, uh, but I loved going to see the other side and, and talking to, to guys that played with him, guys that played against him. Uh, the old timers sitting in the ballpark. When I was in the big leagues, I'd have old timers come down from the other team. Maybe they worked for the organization. They'll say, oh, you're Grandpa Ray. And and I loved getting those stories from him because it was a different perspective than what I see on a daily basis. Gramp, you know, I know Gramps. I come to San Diego. He was born and raised in San Diego, and he scouted. Uh, My favorite to- place. My favorite place. But go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. And, and Gramps was a scout for the Boston Red Sox down to the, you know, just down to the just short of when he passed away, but he was always in the San Diego area. He would go over to the Arizona area and scout. And when I came to San Diego, you know, I knew it was going to be Gramps after the game. He's going to be waiting for me in the tunnel. And I'm going to talk to all my relatives. Then Gramps would be standing in the background because he was last and he was kind of special. And he knew that. And he was going to, you know, it depended on what it was, Roberto. If I had a bad game, he was easy on me. If I had a good game man, I was three for four, Gramps was, it would happen that fourth at bat. So that's the gramps I remember. Uh, but hearing the stories from, from the guys that truly knew him as a young man, as a player on and off the field, pretty cool. You get those stories about your dad? Listen, Booney, the, the special thing about my on my side is the fact that I not only get the stories of the players that played with him, that played against him, the guys that never saw him play. All right, that the impact that he has on those players that never even met him. They, they tell me stories how he impacted them. Um, but the, the most unbelievable thing for me is that the stories that are mostly special are the fans, uh, the people that he touched, 
Um, there are people that he actually literally helped in, in the street, things that he did that people don't know. He went to visit hospitals everywhere he went. Everywhere he played, he was visiting a, a hospital or, or, or actually uh, showing up at a kid's home with a letter that he sent for him to sign or to autograph and send back. So he was flying to that city. He would take a pack of the mail that he received. He, he would take it out and look at the calendar and he would actually separate and, 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 and make sure that he took the time in that road trip in every single city to show up in the hospital and show up at somebody's house with that autograph to do it in person. That's who he was. That's, that's pretty awesome. And my dad, my dad, I think dad played against him briefly. Dad got to the big leagues in 72. And obviously that was, that was his last year. Um, you know, what's cool for me when, how I reference your dad all the time without knowing anything about it, especially young players. And, and you hear this at the young level, uh, how how hitting is taught and do you hear that layman hitting <laughs> do you hear that layman hitting coach that goes like this he goes you need to stride in towards the pitcher and i sit there because i had a stride i would step in the bucket when i swung that was my swing i didn't plan on doing it that way that's just how my body reacted and when I caught, when I started watching Roberto Clemente clips, I'm like, he's so far in the bucket, it's ridiculous. So when I hear those the, those coaches saying, stride into the pitch, stride, which is wrong anyway, because you cut yourself off and they're going to jam you if you're not perfect with your technique. But I'll say, watch Roberto Clemente hit. He's one of the greatest of all time. Watch where his left foot lands. It's almost out of the batter's box. And as long as you keep that that upper part of your body square and you can hold it. You can put that left foot anywhere you want. So he's a great reference for me. You know, I'll show Please. a video of my, I'll show a video of myself and I'll say, watch my left foot. It's in the bucket. Yeah. I said, so if that doesn't convince you here, watch one of the greatest to ever do it. And I'll show your dad. I said, does it, work, does it work or does it not? He steps in the, he steps in the bucket so far left and hits a ball out of right center field. But you can do that if your upper body stays there and you hold Correct. And hold. You got to be disciplined with it. That, that everybody chin, can't do it. But, but listen, it's, look at look at the pictures from. Oh, it's awesome! Top, it's awesome! It's right here. I mean, he's just right on top, and from there to the I mean, amazing, amazing. I served in the he served in the Marine Corps. I remember my dad's army bag that he had early on. He was a uh, he he did some army time, and I remember that bag. I remember those black boots, and I was always confused because I was so little. Like right. dad's a baseball player. What do you got these army boots for? Your dad was in the Marine Corps. Uh, the Roberto Clemente, the family man. What do you remember about that and and his Marine Corps ties? You know, uh, number one, dad was he was a very proud. Puerto Rican, but he was, uh, he said that he was very proud, he was proud to be an American and very proud to be a Marine. Um, he's in the uh, Marine Sports Hall of Fame. He held the record for pull-ups for many, many years. I don't know if you know that. I don't. Um, now he, I do. He actually, he, <clears throat> he, uh, he went in and, uh, uh, and 54, right? And, and lo and behold, I don't know how many years later, 20-some years later, 30 years later, you know who, who broke it? 20-some years later? Tony Perez. 
Mr. Dusty Baker. Really? That's correct. Dusty was in the Marine, and he was the one. He was at a tour at the Clemente Museum here in Pittsburgh, and uh, they were telling the story about Dad, you know, having the the record. Someone broke the record, but they didn't know who broke the record. And all of a sudden, he's there with a guy from from the team from with the Astros, and he points at points at himself. He said, "I broke the record." Um, and I got some pictures of him in his uniform. I'm like, oh, you gotta be kidding me, Dusty. That's unbelievable. Pretty cool. Uh, he was born in Puerto Rico. I believe you were born in Puerto Rico. We all three. My brothers and I had to be born in Puerto Rico. Dad made mom fly. Go back. From it, fly, Go yeah. You, you, you dad need to be born on the island, period. No, there were no buts about it. She had to fly back. We talk about fame in the in the U.S. When you go to Puerto Rico, Roberto Clemente's name, what's it comparable to if you were to take somebody in the U.S. as far as legacy, fame, name recognition? Is there someone to compare him to in, in, in Puerto in Rico? Place? Yeah. Um, I always I'm, used to say I always used to say I played with Ichiro Suzuki in 2001. And at the time. Unbelievable. Probably what Shohei Otani is in Japan right now. And I used to tell people, they said, well, what, what's Ichiro like in, you know, what's he oh, like in yeah. Japan? I said, he's probably like Elvis Presley was in in America. So that that's the type of comparison I'm asking about. Correct. No, I mean, obviously, I remember, <clears throat> I remember I got sick that day. I remember when, when Dad arrived from uh, the performance his unbelievable performance. Well, he was natural for him, but it was the first time that the world saw him play the way that he played the game in the 1971 World Series. And when people saw him for the first time, I mean, this is the first time that there is a World Series night game, prime time. People are out of work. People are going to be able to watch a baseball game at night at home. And they watched this man um, perform the way he did. Uh, he captivated, he galvanized baseball. Um, but the most important part of that series for me was after the series was over, when he galvanized the Latino community, the Hispanics all over the world, when for the first time, Someone spoke Spanish in broadcast television, live TV. He broke it. He said, no, no, before I say anything in English, he said, no, 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 wait a second, Bob. Bob Prince was the, the interviewer. He said, no, before I say anything in English, I need to say something for my people. And in that moment, people still, people in Italy, people in all over the world, um, he spoke to those people. People, I mean, still talk about it. Pretty awesome. Um, people don't even know he was a Dodger. He originally Correct. was a Dodger before he was a Pirate. Yeah, I think I think the Dodgers tried to hide him because there was something with his with his signing. Boone, they didn't try. They hit him. Period. Yeah, exactly. tell you tell the you tell the story. You're gonna know it better than me. There, there were listen. There were times that he was in the lineup. And there were a couple of scouts that they would see a couple of scouts, they would take him out before the game started. So that's how they hit him. They, they tried to hide him in, in Montreal. Uh, so he, he got there and he really got frustrated. I mean, this guy could play baseball. He thought he was going to play baseball and, 
Um, there are so many backstories now that I hear and I'm, and I'm uh, understanding the times and, and the politics, but Branch Rickey was an unbelievable pioneer, obviously, and, and how he, um, you know, was able to bring Jackie and, 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 and make this historic move that we're still talking about and uh, broke that barrier, obviously, is, is something that uh, the connection Branch and, and Dad, obviously, Branch was his guy. I, he, he was hiding in Montreal. Um, and uh, so when he ended up uh, leaving the Dodgers in, in, in uh, after 54, he said, I'm bringing, this, I'm bringing him with me. And that's what he did. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Coming from Puerto Rico, the language barrier. I mean, I'm sure back then, being a Latino player, I mean, there were there were things to overcome. You know, I had heard that the reporters, they'd refer to him as Bob or Bobby, and he said, "No," <laughs> and he said, "I'm Roberto." Is that, is that accurate? Oh yes, he had a problem with that big time, Booney. He really did not like that. He was very proud. He's like, "No, my name is not Bob. I'm not Bobby. I am." Roberto Clemente, that is my name, and that is why you're going to call me. Um, and, and for a few years, you had Topps baseball cards having Bob on the card. He was furious, absolutely furious. I mean, is that amazing? It's like, can you imagine nowadays somebody's name and them say, no, we're going to choose that. We're going to use this version of, of Robert, which I, right. my, da- my dad's official name is Robert. But he goes by Bob because he chooses to go by Bob. Uh, but can you imagine in today's game that no, we're going to call you what we want to call you, even though you're not, and you're one of the best players in the world. Uh, Roberto Clemente Ward, uh, one of the most prestigious wards in the game. Um, what's that mean? What's that mean to have essentially your name on an award? And, and it's, it's a coveted one. It's one that, that players are really, pl- you know, there's so many awards in, in the game now, especially now there's a word for this reward for that. But the guy that gets that Roberto Clemente award every year, that's, that's a stick your chest out, be proud moment for whoever that recipient is. You know, it, it is a, you know, validation uh, of, of something special within you. You're a, a person that cares about humanity. You are, uh, someone that has be, is being recognized and, and putting into a same conversation with a, a name such as Roberto Clemente that, uh, you know, symbolizes goodwill, uh, it symbolizes unity, it symbolizes, you know, all that is good in the world. Um, and what we should be all striving for. Uh, and to have all these, these players throughout all, all these years being able to really express the meaning of receiving, uh, what it means what, to receive this award for them. Um, it goes beyond what, what they have done on the field. And, and they put that in a very special place, not only in their hearts, 
but uh, at home in their mantles uh, and some, you know, unbelievable stories that uh, I hear. It's, it's great uh, to, to, to hear the story that they couldn't sleep the night before. Uh, the, the the presentation because they were so excited about the moment uh, that was happening and um, very grateful uh, to to have been able to become part of that Clemente Award family um, a member and and uh, those are our special uh, special list but there are so many more it is it is uh, for me I look at, at the list of all those guys that uh, were nominated for all those years. All those years are winners locally and in their own right, doing the right thing. So for me uh, to have the vast of those guys, the force of guys that are doing so uh, much good for humanity um, and it's connected to my father's memory is, is something absolutely, um, you know, a, a blessing, truly a blessing. I think Willie Mays was the first recipient. Am I right on that one? That's correct. And your dad played with Willie Mays on, I believe it was the Crabbers in the Caribbean League. So they, they have a, a connection from way back when. Um, there's, there's streets. Your dad's got streets, monuments, statues. Uh, September 15th is Roberto Clemente Day. The flight where, where his plane went down. I started at the top. It was it was New Year's Eve in 1972. But I don't think a lot of people realize that this was the this was the fourth trip to Nicaragua. And from what I heard, that the supplies weren't getting to the people that they needed to get to. So Roberto decided I'm gonna personally see to it that this gets handled. Is that how the story goes? And that's where where the, where the crash happened on that fourth trip. Booney, I, I tell you something. I, it, it's amazing to me. We, we wrote a book as a family, and then I got to New York to, to go on the uh, Keith Overman show uh, to promote the book that night. And before I got there, I went to say hello to a, a company that stopped a bunch of uh, um, backpacks for a bunch of kids in, in the Bronx uh in the Clemente State Park and when I got there the CEO had sent for me to go up and say hello so when I went upstairs he goes he welcomes me he goes listen I'm from Nicaragua I need to tell you a story I sit down and he proceeds to tell me the story of the day of the earthquake in Nicaragua he left the party he had came from Stanford all the family they're all I mean uh, graduated from Stanford and they left the party, the earthquake happened, everyone in the party passed, everybody got killed. They didn't know what had happened. They're going to his house to another party for his, 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 his father. His father was a general for the Somoza militia. When he gets to the house, Somoza calls the, the, his home to tell his father that he was in charge of the airport, to, to that he had heard that everyone of those planes that were coming in as aid, quote unquote, that were coming in were people that were dressed as nurses and doctors to come in and infiltrate and, and, and come with do a coup, come in a coup. <clears throat> so he got, um, he got uh, paranoid and 
when my father heard that they were stopping all the aid that he had sent already, when he decided to get on the plane, his father, this gentleman's father, was the man my father was intending to go and duke it out with, which is amazing to me that I met his son uh, years later. Uh, from 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 uh, now getting the backstory, the reason why my father got on that plane uh, was because of this guy's father. Right, it became personal for him. Like, if I'm going to get it done personally, if it, it's not getting taken care of when I'm not there. Correct. Uh, you remember anything about that day? I know. It, next, I want to talk about your mom, Vera, and what a special lady she was. Uh, but do you remember anything about that day? I know yes. it, it, you're seven years old, but. Well, I mean, I I don't know if you've done any uh, done any research, but a lot of people that know me, they know the story very well. It was my first premonition, my first. Uh, <clears throat> uh, we had a party that night and um, I was excited. We had people flying in from Pittsburgh and Allentown, Philadelphia. Um, and um, I get to the my parents' room and dad always had that dark room. You couldn't see your hands in front of your face because he suffered from insomnia. And... Um, he rested his eyes to be able to see the ball. So he had dark curtains over the, the window. So I'm tapping on the, on the, on the bed, nobody there. So I go to the other door and I open the door. I see mom and dad and a dining room table it's always there. So I start walking to say, good morning. I'm excited about the party. And when I get to dad, what came out was dad, don't get on that plane because that plane is going to crash. And you know, he looked at me, I said, don't get on that. I had no clue. He had decided to go on that flight while we were sleeping. He decided we had no clue uh, that this was going on. In my mind, you know, I know he was busy because he, he was out of the house in the campaign collecting aid. Uh, we helped collect aid and we knew that was happening. But for him to get on a plane that day, that was not part of the deal. Um, and for me to come out with that, that was like a premonition. And he said, I'll see you when I get back. I said, no, I, I'm not going to see you. And um, that that's the, the last time I, I, I saw him. I, I After that, uh, all I heard was a, a phone call in my grandmother's house. Um, I was in my aunt's room. I heard a scream. And I run out of the room, and all I see is um, my uncle and my aunt running with mom um, out the door. And I didn't see mom for three days. Um, but uh, you know that was that was a long three days. I, I already knew my brothers did not know what had happened, I knew already. Uh, no one had to tell me anything. So um, it was something that, uh, you know, until, the, to this, until this day, if you ask me, how did I know? It was a message to try to stop him. And, and I became, uh, I had a, a, a feeling of guilt for so many years, so many years that I, I did not do enough to stop him uh, uh, on getting on that plane.
So, wow. Okay, you're seven. You just... <laughs> You know, like a seven-year-old would say to his pops, Pops, no, don't get on that plane because it's going to crash. Something told you. Just something. We, we can't explain everything in life when you get feelings no. that strong. And then hearing the screams in the room, and you already know it. I told him before. I know what this is. Man, that had, wow. Wow. So how about when you said he left in the middle of the night? After you discussed it, discussed the trip, you you made your peace with him and you said, Dad, please don't get on that plane. That plane's going to crash. You go to sleep. You wake up. You really- oh, no, no, I'm waking up that morning. This is morning time. This is he's actually he's having breakfast. This is oh, the morning okay. of. Oh, OK. This the is, morning of. This is the morning of. I will. I just woke up. I literally just woke up. And that's the day of the party. This is the 31st of December. This is the, the day of the accident. This is the morning, and I'm, you know, I'm excited. We have a party. I mean, I had no no idea about a flight, right? So yeah, so that that's when it happened, and and uh, obviously, you know, that's uh, it's a moment in time that we all celebrate as bringing in the new year. And for me, you know, obviously, the, it's a mixed emotion. Uh, you know, uh, moment for all those years for fifty years. It's it's, it's been uh, it's been interesting to say the least. Wow, that that to me that that would be amazing. Having that premonition, trying to get it out to your pops, it coming true, and then you just walking around life going. Well, when's the next one going to come to me? You know, am I going to have to save somebody else? And well, really, maybe it, this it time happens. you'll listen. Maybe it, this it, time you'll listen. <laughs> well, no, I've I've uh, I've had I've had uh, I've talked to many people that I, I don't even know. I've stopped people in the street that I don't even know to give them a message. I mean, and they 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 freak out. They're like, "How do you know this?" I said, "I don't know. I just I'm just letting you know." And they're like dumbfounded. How do you know this? I said, "Listen, <laughs> I gotta walk by." I, I don't know. I'm moving. I'm moving along. I'm moving on. I gotta go. <laughs> How about your mom and all this, Vera, uh, carrying on the the family name and and uh, moving on as a family after something this big happened? Talk a little bit about your mom. I believe she passed away a few years ago, but yeah, everything yeah. I've I've seen, uh, great great lady. Um, yeah, four years ago, uh, this past uh, November sixteenth. Uh, um, you know, mom. You know, I'm so fortunate that you know we have yes, dad. Excuse me, dad left a, a tremendous legacy uh, that we're very proud of. But imagine to have both of your parents leave uh, their own legacy that have impacted. Uh, humanity in in their own right uh, is is truly a, a blessing. My mother, I kind of always say that I was raised by Mother Teresa. Uh, that's what I, I always say because I learned by example. We we watched her grace um, every step that she took on on this planet. 
Um, everyone that she touched, people met her and still, if, if even if it was for a brief moment, people still talk about it for years, that how they felt. Uh, she had this, this, this energy and vibration about her that just at her touch, her, her look, her presence was very special. And, and, uh, we miss her dearly, but she carried the torch. Uh, Dad picked a perfect woman to be the mother of his children, um, because uh, to be left alone with three kids at age 30, uh, beautiful woman. Uh, my father always told her, Vera, please sit down. I want to show you and teach you what I'm building, what I'm doing. Um, he was building, I mean, he was buying businesses and building, I mean, from real estate to, uh, I mean, there was a whole list of things that he was doing. People don't know how smart dad was. Um, he was a spokesperson for Eastern Airlines, Panasonic, Alcoa, um, Gatorade. Um, you could go down the list. He was actually making commercial for these people anyway. Um, so when mom would say no, I, I, Roberto, don't say that. Vera, I'm going to die young. He, he would tell her, I'm going to die young. And uh, don't talk like that, Roberto. And, and she never sat down. So when the accident happened, um, a lot of people took advantage of, of her and, and everything that he had built. And even then, there was not one ounce of, of, you know, just even being mad or I, mean, I never saw her getting mad ever, which is amazing to me. So that's the type of person she was. She she really um, embodied uh, what a uh, a true um, a person of, of God is. She she just really sanctified everything about it. Yeah, that's that's what I've heard. And and. Uh... You know, that's a big, that's big shoes to step in. And, you know, I, I mean, you talk about you having that premonition the night, the day of uh, the accident, your dad having that premonition that telling his wife, your mom, I'm going to die young. I mean, that's, and then he ends up passing away far too young. Uh, forever I young. I call it you're, forever young. You're, because you're, because you're, you're giving, you're, you're giving. You're giving me goosebumps with all these with all these premonitions. I can I can give you I can give you a whole sling of mystical. Uh, there's I mean my father's uh, life was very mystical and and everything had to do with number three, okay, in his life, okay, and it, it's it's pretty cool because. You, you know, he had, you know, three sons, but, you know, his, his number was two, one, that's, two, that's three, right? He played at Three River Stadium in the city of the Three Rivers, that's three. He ended up with three, exactly 3,000 hits. Exactly. Right? That's amazing. Um, right? So, and, and you continue going down the list, right? But all these, all these little moments in his flash of life. He lived his life in a flash because he knew he was going to die young. So what he accomplished in 38 years um, cemented what his legacy has been for the past 50. Yeah, absolutely. Um, 
I want to talk about Roberto Clemente Jr. and your road and your quest. I know you were uh, a great athlete growing up. Your first team you signed with is the Phillies. Now, when I when I I remember when I signed my first professional contract, uh, it started kind of in college. You know, we all hear it because we have the name. You know, we I had the Boone name, and I was always going to hear stuff. You're going to oh, that's Bob Boone's son. You know. I'm sure my dad had that. That's Ray Boone's son. You know, so it's all that we carry. And that's a part of the package. That's part of the deal. We know we knew who we are going in. But for me, being a third generation, going to be the first third generation, I heard that all the time. And I was like, you know, I'm sick of hearing that. I don't really care about the generations. I got to make it myself. Pops ain't going to do nothing for me. And grandpa ain't going to do nothing for me. I got to do it for me. So I got a little annoyed. It didn't affect me and my quest and my focus. How was it for you starting off in the Phillies organization, just having that name on your back? Because there's going to be expectations and, and things you got to deal with that the average player is not going to have to deal with. You need, Booney, you need to understand that I signed with the arch enemy. Okay. So the people are like, why would you go with Philadelphia Phillies? How is that possible? How could he be a traitor? I, I became a traitor. Uh, I was a traitor, right? I, I mean, how from the Pittsburgh Pirates, you, you're going to go and sign with the Philadelphia Phillies. I mean, we, we all the wars on, I mean, all the fights that we had on the, on the field and so forth, right? So, um, you know, it, it is amazing to me. Uh, that the many, how many times I had to say it, but when I signed, obviously I, I was missing that immensely. I, I missed him every day as a young boy. Um, I missed him, um, and and you know everything that I did, everything, every every decision that I made, every everything that uh, you know I, I I wanted to accomplish. I didn't have him there. I had so many questions. I had no one that can answer them. So when I signed, to be honest, I, I didn't know what to expect. I truly did not know what to expect. I, um, so I, uh, I went in and, and I got there. I know that I started meeting all the guys when I first walked in. And then I realized, I said, these are the, all the guys that played against my father. You know what I mean? Um, and I started laughing because I said, this is pretty, pretty amazing that I'm in the, on the other side. And I started hearing all the stories and, and so forth. But um, that first day, that first day, I remember that uh, I was late for stretching because there was so much media uh, that needed, they wanted to talk to me and to say, Roberto, can you please talk to them? And I'm like, I'm, I need to go stretch. Said, no, you, we need the space, get them out of here. Um, and the question was, are you going to be as good as your father? And I mean, obviously uh, I said, no, I mean, who is, who, who's, who's, who's as good as my father right now in the major leagues. So I was not planning on putting pressure on myself, but I, I was in no way, shape or form ready to, to embark on that journey. I was not ready at all, um, to, 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 to go and, and, and play. In no shape or form. Yeah, I remember those questions. You know what I answered, Roberto? I said, hell yeah, I'm going to be way better than my dad. I'm going to be way better than my grandpa. <laughs> <laughs> now, I didn't have to deal with Roberto Clemente's numbers, so it was a little easier for me to say that. But it's, 
you know, pretty cool. After baseball, um, you kind of created your own le- legacy. You created the Roberto Clemente Sports City in Puerto Rico. Tell the Boom Podcast a little bit about that. Well, listen, that was not my creation. That was actually my father's concept. That is actually he had incorporated right before the accident. Uh, my father, a friend of theirs, they incorporated uh, uh, the Sports City. And while he was looking for land, the accident occurred. He was looking for a place where he could build a complex where kids could go and play sports, not only baseball, all sports, and other families could get together, be, grow up healthy, and be able to know uh, that you had a safe place to play. Now, um, obviously, when the accident occurred, my mother, three weeks after, renamed it the Roberto Clemente Sports City. So after that, uh, so after I, I, I was done playing, I got hurt, uh, 89. Um, I, I went back uh, home and helped mom and, and, and decided to start coaching and, and, and be, you know, continue working with the sports city down there. Got into some coaching, started the, the RBI program in, in Puerto Rico uh, and uh, took uh, those kids, uh, you know, we won 10, you know, championships and in, in, in that category but you know that's when i realized that uh, pittsburgh didn't have an rbi program so i came to pittsburgh to start the uh the clemente uh, foundation and, and and start the ball rolling with those kids here that didn't have the opportunity to have the same program and um you know when that happened for me it was it was pretty cool because for the first time i took just young people from the inner cities and took them to virginia and for, for the first time they they're in the bus and they see the ocean their reaction to me i took it for granted i grew up in puerto rico i see the ocean every day but for them that they only go out a one mile richer from their home from their inner city from their neighborhood that is a full of drugs and everything else um I told the bus driver, stopped the bus, and they, the scene of them running towards the water, just shedding their shirts off and getting into the water. That moment for me um, cemented that I was doing the right thing um, for for those kids and, and being able to open their minds and their eyes, their hearts, that there's so much more of uh, opportunity for them other than, uh, you know, those infested areas that they live in. So um, it was a it was a, uh, a very big moment for me. But from that point on, now we continue to do uh, what we do, um, you know, um, but it's all, you know, what that started with the sports city, the concept. Uh, we built it, uh, mom built, I mean, helped build this whole thing. If the government gave us uh, 600 acres of land, mom thought it was too much. So they gave back almost half. So 300 acres of land was mostly um, wetlands. They didn't know that at the time because they didn't know studies, right, of of land. So they have over 100 acres. So they built partially, uh, partial of it for a big complex for many, many years of usage of, you know, getting kids from the Alomars to the Ruben Sierras to everyone from all that era. All those guys played at Sports City. So you can talk to all those guys. Yeah, they all wow. there. Wow. That's so, pretty awesome. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's the that's the the product of Sports City um, to where you know De Benito Santiago's and anyway. So those those uh those were the the fruits of of, of that work there. <clears throat> now the swamp reclaim its land after forty years of usage. Now we gotta rebuild the whole the whole thing. But we're very excited. Oh, sorry for I'm sorry for my voice. As you can oh. hear, I have a a a uh, bit of a cold but woke up this way so um but i'm i'm, I'm very excited that uh you know the clemente name continues to grow and we continue to give you know uh, give clinics everywhere we go uh, all over the country all over the world so we're very excited that every kid is is uh continue to have the opportunity uh to learn about the game and learn about the, the clemente legacy and before I get into your broadcasting, and, and by the way, you got three rings. I don't have any rigs, Roberto. I got I got one second place ring. This is three uh, with the Yankees. I'll get I'll get into that in a minute, though. Yes, I, yes. This when you're talking about uh, the legacy in the Clemente uh, Foundation, tell me about 2004 uh, when you went to to finish kind of Dad's trip to Nicaragua, and that what happened? Oh, wow! Wow! Um, that was, um, yeah, that was, uh, I was amazed. That was a, uh, something that I needed to do personally for myself, uh, because of obvious reasons, um, to, I was seeking closure. Um, um, a mile and a half. Well, first dad, that flight was supposed to leave around noon on the 31st. So he was planning to getting to Nicaragua, delivering all the stuff, making sure that everything got to the hospital, helping whatever, and hopefully, hopefully get back from midnight. Okay? Hopefully. The plane never left until like past nine o'clock at night because of all complications with the plane and this and that. The same thing happened to me. I was supposed to leave early 11 o'clock and a lot of complications started happening. My mother started getting very nervous. I said, Roberto, please don't do this. And so we have collected, I collected, we collected during the, um, a few tons of, of aid uh, to go to Nicaragua. Um, but then that was an uh, 04. And when we were, we were like, we're already, everything was set. The same day that the earthquake happened in 1972, that's when the tsunami happened in uh, Sri Lanka. And we had, I had that aid and I told my guys, I said, listen, I cannot complete this mission because there's not an emergency in Nicaragua right now. This aid, we had like seven tons of aid. I sent every one of it to, to uh, Sri Lanka, to Southeast Asia, to the people from from uh, the tsunami, and then I said, we'll do the trip the next year. So that's what we did. So a mile, we finally get some, the same thing again. So in 05, I jump on a plane. All this stuff started happening. I left that night again. Um, ended up in a Russian. I ended up in a Russian cargo plane in the last minute because our plane got, something happened to the plane. So we hired there was a plane coming from Brazil and we took it down here. We hired you, we hired the plane. It was a Russian cargo plane. 
So I loaded the cargo plane, got on the plane on the cargo plane, and headed to Nicaragua. It was around the same time that I left. Um, and um, that first mile and a half for me, because that flight, that's that's how long he was in here for. Um, was a was a tough one. Um, so we proceed. We proceed. Um, and I hear the other side of on the other side when we land that our our plane take we were off the radar for like 50 minutes they thought that the plane had gone down in Nicaragua where they were expecting us um so they had a whole scare there but we we landed and and I thank God that I was able to accomplish at least that piece and for me it early I mean it was great. It was good, but um, still, there was a, still a piece that you know I could have done more. But it did. You said you know we all need closure in, in certain aspects of our life. Did that give you the closure that you needed? Uh, somewhat, yeah. I mean, I, it helped a lot for sure. It did help. It, it helped. Um, I think there's a lot of elements that have that I've put together that have helped immensely. Uh, and but most importantly is the fact that the legacy, the way that you know, when I wake up in the morning, I'm able to help people, um, and that's what drives me be able to help. Um, and that is something that is has been a, a blessing, which I thought when I was growing up, it was a curse. It is a true blessing to be able to to help organizations that don't have a voice, uh, that are not being heard, be able to uh, utilize ours to lend a hand and, and doing so. Uh, all right. Tell me, tell the Boone podcast, the, the fans out there listening. Um, I, I remember hearing about this. It, it was when Bush was president. They used to have T-ball games. Oh, <laughs> and you, you were a huge part of that. I mean, they had T-ball games on, on the South. What was it on the South lawn? South lawn. Yes. Yes. I, it, listen, I tell this story to a lot of people and, and it's amazing because it, it kind of weird, it's kind of weird because I used to change my number a lot, right? And uh, I remember walking out of the, the the phone store, and I'm walking out with it in the box and the bag, and I have the phone in hand. I haven't called my mother yet. The phone rings, the phone rings, and I look at the phone, and I, it's gonna be a wrong number. Hello, Mr. Clemente. It's the White House. I mean, this is literally five minutes. No one has my number. The White House, somehow, they decided to pick up the phone and call me. They got my number in like that. It was the president. Hey, Roberto. Um, I want you to come out to, you know, South Lawn, be my commissioner. I said, sure. I mean, when this is, no, don't worry. You got to get the details. I want you to come out. Said, sure, of course. I mean, how can I say no, right? Um, and, and people say, how did that happen? I said, well, I met him uh, when he was the owner of the Texas Rangers and spent a few days with him at the ranch and whatever, you know, so it was, it was pretty cool. Um, but, uh, it was, it was an amazing, I did Bloomberg in New York city for seven years. Uh, Gracie mansion, we did the T-ball 
there and that's how i became a t-ball guy um and um, i didn't have any sons at the time i had three girls so you know i had a lot of kids to play t-ball with thank god now after being an old man now i have two boys five and a two now i'm going through a t-ball thing for real right <laughs> <The t-ball> thing. <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah so yeah very cool um How'd you get into to broadcasting? What made you want to go on that side of the mic? I mean, I shoot, I'm 54 years old. It took me a long time, and I started this podcast a few years ago. Uh, it's been an interesting ride. It's been educational. It's been humbling. For you, you, you work for the New York Yankees. Once again, you won three rings. You got three rings that I don't have. Uh, you work for ESPN, ESPN Deportes. Uh Tell me about that part W-F-A-N. of the W-F-A-N. Yeah, W-F-A-N. That's a big one because I became the first Latino on FAN in New York. The New York City of FAN, the first to host a show on that 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 station. Um, which was a very proud moment for me, no doubt. Um, no, I, I I had a lot of fun. I I happened to be at the right place at the right time, Booning. You know, and, and I think that when you manifest uh, and you have a goal and you have a vision of things that you want to accomplish in life, and I tell young people always that you must visualize and, and have belief uh, on, on what you want to accomplish, right? And um, you, you have to believe it, you have to say it, you have to put it out in the world. and. After Dad's accident, uh, Dad left a tremendous, enormous rooms of trophies everywhere, and they're big and small and keys and plaques and you know, but there were two items that for me, you know, I was more interested in anything was his two World Series rings. I would grab his two and would look at him, and I said, "I this is what I want. I want to become a ball player and earn my own. I want to go out and earn my own ring." um ball player get hurt obviously that is a part that's why i'm wearing this because i it's something is that for the young people that and the people that are listening and 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 the ones that are watching that it's important that they understand that my story is is i wanted my rings i got hurt no more baseball, right? But you would you would say the uh, the goal is done, it's over. But no, you can become part of the team by become a, a broadcaster, a coach, a a trainer. Um, analytics nowadays is all about analytics, um, and still be part of a team. You don't have to have the ability to play the game, but you can actually. For me, it was actually broadcasting. So I was in New York City for a few meetings. And on a Friday afternoon, my last meeting of the day, the gentleman I'm I'm having a meeting with, my agent and I are sitting there. He was in in communications and radio and so forth. He was a producer for the Spanish broadcast. And he looks at me and he goes, you know, would you like to and I said, well, let me think about it. I got a kick under the table for my agent, right? He kicks me on the table saying he's taking the job. And I'm going like, 
you know what I'm thinking? He didn't ever said it. He offered no money. He didn't offer it. Yankees, you're taking the job. So that's on Friday. On Tuesday, I was supposed to be coming back to Pittsburgh or I was between D.C. I now am moving to New York City to start the Yankees on Tuesday. Yankees versus the Brewers. And that was my first broadcast. And the rest is history. That was crazy. It was insane, Booney. I, I went I went from not even thinking about broadcasting to go straight to Yankee Stadium. That's Get insane. it in. Get it in. All right. All right. You know, you, you know what's you know what's cool that you mentioned uh when your playing days were over. Um winning the rings not as a player, but as a part of a team. And with my dad recently, uh well, a few years back now. But when the Washington Nationals won the won the World Series, my dad's been in the front office with them for 14 years. You know, as one of the brass. And, it, you know, he doesn't throw a ball. He doesn't hit a ball. Uh, but there's a lot of blood, sweat, and tears. And when I saw the Washington Nationals win that World Series and the emotion my dad had as a non-player, you know, probably as far he, he did a lot of the minor league stuff. He was on the road with the with the A ball and the double A and the triple A. But to see him and, and how emotional he was about winning it in that capacity, he won with the Phillies in 1980. You know, one of one of the great World Series that me and Aaron, we still watch all the videos today of Tug McGraw striking out Willie Wilson. Um, and you figure that's the pinnacle. You know, as a player, what can get better than catching the final out of a World Series? You're a World Series champion. Right. It's pretty cool. Dad got to 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 live that, that live that dream out. But to see the emotion he had on the other side, 30, 30 years removed from being a player. And I looked at him, I said, Dad, is this as cool as as uh doing as a player? He said, Brett, he said, all the work we've put in, all the legwork we put in finally paid off it was just as fulfilling for him as it was being on a being on he that built it. Being, they, they, being a, yeah it was it, it was pretty cool car. you built so the you, car right yeah. so when you tell me about being a part of a team and the fact that you didn't hit any homers that year you didn't drive any runs you didn't strike anybody out but you were a part of a team that i think that's that's pretty cool that's pretty listen pretty i cool i story. i had fun i was i was able to and by the way one thing that was pretty, was very was key uh, to the other guys was the fact that I came in in '87, okay, 1987, a year after they won, right? So I'm sitting there in the summer I, when they give out the rings, and I'm sitting there between my two partners, my new partners, and I see Michael Kay and John Sterling right next to in a booth right next to us, right? And I'm like, oh man, they get their box, their rings, and they're showing their rings. So I'm excited for my guys, right? And nobody comes with boxes for my guys. I'm like, oh, yeah, yo, where are your rings? Oh, we don't get rings. I said, what do you mean you don't get rings? Why? But they don't ask for, for sizes or anything. I said, well, how many games did you do? Well, we did, we did them all. I said, that's not fair. Anyway, so I didn't say a word about it, you know. So, 1998, we go back, right? And I, 
I no question. So I go, I knock on the door. I say, hey, my guys were here in 86. When he get rings, I'm here now. And, and what's happening? I'm asking questions, right? Oh, Roberto, you know, you're right. We tell the guys we'll start. I said, the guys got the rings. We got the rings. Said, we, they mishandled the whole thing. Well, we got our rings. So those moments were was actually I was able to help those guys also, uh, that team be able to you know get get their rings and, and that was very fulfilling. Very cool. Well, Roberto Clemente, I appreciate you coming on the Boom Podcast. This is a lot of fun. If people want to support the Clemente Foundation, uh, how can they do that? Well, they can go to robertoclementefoundation.com. Um, absolutely. Uh, take a look at the website, see where the next uh, clinics uh, is that we just got done in Puerto Rico uh, with the cl- clinics there. Um, you know, it's we're, we're so excited uh, for 2024. Um, There's so many projects that are going on, but uh, the continue the legacy and, and growing, uh, building the nations of good that we have decided that uh, that is what we're here to do. We're, we're, we're very great, uh, grateful that we are able to do that. So, and for me personally, RobertoClementeJr.com, you can see where I'm at if I'm speaking somewhere near you and, and go check me out. Very cool. I appreciate that, man. This was, this was interesting. I learned a lot about Roberto Clemente Jr. And I'm still thinking about it right now, but the, the premonitions. So no, listen, there's so, there's so, listen, there's so much more in that bag. I mean, from concussions and the stuff that I, I went through, that's a whole, that's a whole hour, uh, at least an hour <laughs> of, of the things that I, I, I've been, I'm involved in today because of that. So, um, I'm very grateful that I'm, I'm here today doing what I'm doing and, and uh, looking forward to the next time. You got it, man. We'll have you on again. Uh, for all for all you watching uh, Boom Podcast, now you can get it on, on YouTube. For those that aren't listening, I appreciate you tuning in, and we will see you next time. <laughs>